Robert Half research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. I didn't know that. I didn't either. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. Interesting. Mm. That's why you need Robert Half. Yep. I don't think that's a person. That's the company. Okay, I was confused. Yeah, their specialized recruiting professionals engage with their proprietary AI. Welcome to connect businesses (laughs) of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing, and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. See, at Robert Half, they know talent. I wish I had had Robert half back in the day oh, when I was hiring. Okay. So, no offense, Sona. Oh, it, it, I feel like you did mean to offend me. Yes, you wouldn't be here if I had had Robert Half. Okay. Visit roberthalf.com today. This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. Hi, my name is Mike Berbiglia. I feel terrified about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk in blues, climb the fence, books and pens, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hello there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend podcast where uh, I use whatever power I have left in show business <laughs> to make people, literally make people that I admire be my friends. Uh, joined, as always, by my compatriots, my assistant, Sona Movsesian. Yes. Am I saying that correctly? Movsesian? Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping after 12 years you've learned how to pronounce my, my name. <laughs> Conan. It's Movsesian, I believe. Movsesian. Yeah, why are you saying you believe? You but that's not your real it. first name, is it? No, we've talked about this. It's Tallinn. Thanks for reminding me. And well, uh, yeah, that's not my real name, but it's yeah. my middle name. Well, Conan is not my real first name, so there you go. Oh, what's your first name? Bruce. I am Bruce O'Brien. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Bruce O'Brien would be cool. No, it's not a good name, Bruce O'Brien. I My, my first name saved my ass because it's like that song, that Johnny Cash song, A Boy Named Sue, where yeah. his dad calls him Sue and then he turns into this amazing fighter because everyone wants to fight him. The fact that my name was Conan meant that I had to develop some kind of quick physical strength uh, or a quick sort of wit. Uh, I don't think I developed either, but (laughs) I did have to be quick on my feet in various ways. And so um, I do think my name saved my ass. What about you, Matt Gorley, producer extraordinaire? Do you like your name? Do you like Matt? Uh, 
it's kind of boring. And I always got girly instead of gorly when I was a kid. I might have <laughs> talked about that before. And yeah. then when I went to Ireland to visit my old like family homestead, I said, hi, I'm Matt Gorley. And he goes, no, it's girly. And he, they were right all along, all those <laughs> bastards in elementary school. Yeah. And you know what? Even if it wasn't, the Irish would love to tell you it was girly. Even if- <laughs> Oh, maybe that's what they're doing. Oh, yeah. they're just, they love to take the piss out of you. <laughs> I'm back and I have a few extra things to say. <laughs> what? Yes. What happened? I have a few extra things to say. How did he get back in here? I hated this experience. <laughs> How did he get back in? I can get in whenever I want to. I have the passcode. Oh my God. This is, ladies and gentlemen, let me explain what's happening. Our guest for today's podcast, Mike Berbiglia, has finished his interview. Uh, he's signed off because we're doing this in a COVID safe way. So he's in a secure bunker somewhere in Dedham, <laughs> Massachusetts. Not true. All true. Another one of your classic lies. Everything on this whole podcast <laughs> is a lie. So then you burst back in. You signed off. You're supposed to be gone. This is the part where I pretend I haven't talked to you yet, you prick. <laughs> and now you've ruined the illusion. How do you feel now, Brabiglia? You know what? I had a nice time. And then I thought about it. I, and then I logged off and I thought about it. And I thought, you know what? They're laughing at me. They're not laughing with me. We were laughing at you. Mike, since you're here, why don't you just take the introduction yeah. into yourself? Mike, right I, now? Mike, here's the deal. You you've ruined what I thought was a beautiful illusion. I mean, first of all, this isn't just, I know you do a podcast and uh, like many podcasts, you just throw something together and serve it up. Mine is nothing like that, but go ahead. This is a beautifully uh, constructed Swiss watch. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a gorgeous mechanism. A lot of thought goes into this. And what we like to do is have this chat first and then talk to the guest. Now, in reality, we already talked to you, but then you come busting back in to our Zoom session while we're recording this, and you ruin everything. How do you feel about <laughs> yeah. that? Let me ask you this, Conan. Has anyone other than you ever described the podcast as a Swiss watch? No. I was, yes, I was talking to a Swiss watchmaker <laughs> no. about six weeks ago, and he and I was complimenting him on his craftsmanship. And he said, uh, it's not unlike what you do. Uh, oh, my God. What is, this is that? It's a Swiss accent, said the guy who has no idea what he's doing. He said, this, it is like what? What you do with your podcast? Uh, I am you will never be. You will never be welcome in Switzerland, Conan O'Brien. No. What do I care? Conan with. They're like we're putting up Conan with borders. <laughs> we don't want him to ever see him. Look, I didn't right, have I'll time. I didn't have time. My yeah, guest today. Yeah, my do guest that. Today is hilarious comedian, writer, director, and actor who's performed in front of audiences worldwide. His best-selling book, The New One, uh, is out in stores. His podcast, Working It Out, is available wherever you go for podcasts. I'm thrilled he's with us today. Mike Berbiglia, welcome. I would have introduced you so much better than you introduced yourself. I don't think I should be me introducing. I think it, my equity goes way down with the audience. <laughs> way down, not even close. I'm anxious. I, I'm anxious genuinely because I was analyzing this today. I was, I was very anxious about, about, about doing this because I was an intern on 
your late night show on NBC in the 90s. Yeah. And so you were my, you were technically my boss, even mm-hmm. though we didn't really interact. And, and then I think that dynamic never goes away. No, nor should it. Look, you, a bunch of people, Mindy Kaling, John Krasinski, Mike Pence, uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're interns. Well, I'd heard I'd heard Pence had done late night. Yeah, yeah. He was on uh he was a intern in 94, 95. Ellie Kemper. Ellie Kemper, that's uh that's uh, yeah. another one. Um JJ Walker. There have been so many people who were interns <laughs> on the show. Oh, Jimmy Jimmy JJ Walker yes. was an intern. And it was awkward on late night with Conan O'Brien. Yes, and it, it's awkward because it was long after good times. And he was in his <laughs> he was in his early sixties. And I remember it was just awkward for all of us. Uh at that point, his catchphrase was "Dino might." <laughs> it was "Dino maybe." Yeah, exactly. But um, once an intern for Conan, always an intern for Conan. Now you yeah. said we didn't have any interactions. Uh, it's all a blur to me. The '90s man. We were all doing so much. <laughs> we were all doing so much coke. Yes, uh, there was so much coke. There's just coke flying everywhere around yeah. the offices of late night. Um, did we have interactions? Did we have? We didn't. We didn't. We were told during our intern orientation mm-hmm. that we should not speak with you. However, however, <laughs> but there's a huge caveat that because for good reason, because there's so much going on in your day. So it's like, so, so everyone's busy. Everyone has their own job. But they said, if you want to make an appointment to meet with Conan to talk about your career and you're like, he's totally open to yes, doing that. Yes, I, I, and, and I've done that many times. And then I made my appointment uh-huh. and, I, and then I got mono. Oh, you're and kidding. I, and I had to leave the show. Oh, <laughs> wait, you, oh my God. Halfway so, through the summer and so we never had our sit down. So th- maybe this is our sit down. I, you know what? This is our rescheduled <laughs> sit down. I can't believe Mike Birbiglia, intern on my show, was scheduled. At, you, at the time, you must have been, what, early 20s, right? I was 19, actually. 19, okay. Yeah. And you were scheduled, were, and that was going to be the conversation where I told you all the stuff that I told Krasinski and yeah. Mindy Kaling and Ellie Kemper, the stuff that made them stars. That's when I was going to tell you all the secrets and you got and you got mono, yeah. you know, and that set your career back years. I you were going to be like, you were going to be like, don't take the part they offer you. That's the lead. Be the person at the desk that seems like they're a side <laughs> character, and then later they sort of become everyone's America's sweetheart. Exactly. That's what I was going to tell you. But you got mono. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm glad that's very infectious. I'm glad we the, didn't the have that meeting. disease. Yeah, yeah. I got out. Yeah. Uh, you listen. What's with the? You you have had so many health uh, issues, which you have. Yeah. I don't want to say turned to your advantage, but I'll say exploited. Uh, you have you have used. I think both of those mean the same thing. <laughs> You've harvested your illnesses. <laughs> Conan, that means the exact same thing. You have taken these things and turned them (laughs) towards your own purpose to aid and abet you. Conan, it's almost like you don't want to see me in a positive light. (laughs) I think, here's my impression. A lot of people say, and uh, listen, you know that you are beloved. uh, You are a hilarious comedian. uh, The work you've done. uh, Mike Birbiglia, that's a guy who, who gets a lot of top-notch respect. Uh, But I, and people say, the great thing about Mike is that he's taken all these things that have happened to him 
that other people would be sort of crippled by or, or you know, uh, sidelined by. And he's used them in his comedy. And I say, yeah. no, the people <laughs> I respect are the people who go through terrible, terrible things and just shut up about it and don't use it for any creative purposes. FDR didn't do stand-up nights. He didn't do open uh, mic nights where he was like, you know, and then I got polio. You know, you didn't hear him saying that. He just shut up. How, I'm sorry to interrupt, Conan, but how dare you mock one of our greatest presidents? <laughs> I'm not mocking him. I admire him for what he did. I admire that he decided not to turn all that stuff into a killer stand-up set. He just shut up about it. He beat the Germans in World War II. That's what he did. <laughs> but no, and you could have done that. You could have sublimated all that pain yeah. and all that suffering, and instead you had to go into comedy. Yeah. Sick. No, I, it's a hook. I mean, the, yeah. Yeah, so the, the 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 things that you're referencing are: I have a sleepwalking disorder, which mm-hmm. is serious. I jumped through a window. I had cancer yep. when I was 20. Oh my god! I had uh, Lyme disease like 10 years ago. I mean, I have I had type two diabetes. I reversed that. I've had a lot of stuff. You've had a I lot of get, stuff. I, I got to get the vaccine. If you know anybody, Conan, if you know anybody. I don't understand why you don't have the vaccine. Uh, it, 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 you feel like someone you'd be at the top of the list because you have had the list of things that have happened to you. Stunning to me. It's a lot of stuff. And then on top of that, I have like a family history that's ridiculous, which is my dad had a heart attack when he was 56 mm-hmm. and his dad had a heart attack when he was 56. And so I'm just setting aside that whole year and I'm getting an Airbnb by the hospital and I'm keeping a flexible schedule. I mean, that, I mean, what are the odds I don't have a heart attack at 56? Well, okay, first of all, I have some questions and let's pretend I'm a doctor. Are you on a statin right now? I'm actually not, but I, I cause I reversed my, I reversed my type two. I'm trying to avoid the statin. Do you take a statin? Yeah, I've been taking a statin yeah. since long, when it was experimental. I was taking a statin <laughs> in 1964 at the age of one. I was taking a statin when it was intravenous and it caused a high fever. So I don't know why you're not on a statin. I want you on a statin immediately. I want you on a statin. You and, and that- I have that. And by the way, you and I, you and your uh, armchair diagnosis, you and I both have that in common. We, our parents are both doctors. My dad's a retired neurologist. Uh, yeah, my doctor, my doctor, my dad. Uh, <laughs> funny that I can't call him my dad. What does that mean? <laughs> I call him my doctor. <laughs> I have no warm feelings towards my father at all. Uh, my dad uh, is a microbiologist. And, oh, wow. Uh, so he... And what's interesting, and I don't know if it's the same for you, but when, you're, when you grow up and your father is a doctor, what happens is they're dismissive of any ailment that you yes. might have. And so I don't know if it's the same for you. Especially but my- when your mom has it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm serious. Like I would go, we would, anything we said to our father, he'd be like, eh, the body heals itself mostly. Yes. That's what they, yes. he would say. He would say, uh, totally. And so you could maybe con other parents that you shouldn't go to school. And my dad kept 
those tubes with the throat cultures in them. You know, the stuff that everyone's getting jammed up their nose now yeah, for yeah. COVID? Yeah, yeah, th- he fed you those. He jammed those into the back of our throat. Oh my God. And he is not a dexterous man. So he acted like Jackie Gleason with a pool cue and he would just jam it back there and scrape it around and we would gag and be like, ah! He'd lose his temper and go, ah, settle down. And then he'd pull it out with chunks of throat on it and uh, flesh. And and we didn't want to go through that, so we just shut up and we went to school. And so uh, that was so he sort of did that as an activity instead of like soccer. Yes, his thing, his activity was jamming sticks down our throat, and then he'd cheer for you. He cheer for you at the game. Yeah, exactly. And then uh, nobody, none of us wanted to complain about an illness. So uh, I was originally I I lost eight brothers that way to various easily curable oh illnesses. Oh my God. So I lost eight brothers to diseases that were largely cured in the 18th century, like palsies and fluxes. And <laughs> I'm finding this line of humor very offensive. <laughs> I hope you are. I hope you are. But uh, um, I can't believe I found, ha- but uh, speaking of illness, like when I was, I was moved by your fresh air interview mm-hmm. when you said that you were sort of later in life diagnosed with some level of depression, but you always thought you didn't have it because your friends would be like lying, you know, couldn't get out of bed kind of depression. Yeah. And, and I was, I was actually, I related to that because I've always been like, no, 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 my friends have depression, but I don't have depression because I get stuff done and I get out of bed and I work hard, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I think I, I, I'm in your universe of of that. Yeah. It was a a big, uh, I mean, for years and years, I uh, used to say, I'm not depressed. Depressed people can't get out of bed. And and I have great empathy for people that have had real depression. And when you read accounts of it, they, this, the idea of existing is horrifying to them. They're that yeah. miserable. And I never had that, but I was highly anxious all the time. Like wake up yeah. in the night, wander around the third floor of our house as a kid, just High levels of anxiety, uh, and that lasted for years and years and years and years, and all through my early comedy career. And I just thought, well, that's just anxiety. And then it, it took a actually going and seeing a professional who said, well, no, anxiety is kind of a subset of depression. You yeah. Know? Um, and so uh, I didn't. I, I was the same as you, though. And I think there is kind of an Irish thing. I know that your mom is Irish. Is yeah, that my correct? mom's Irish. Yeah. There is an ingrained Irish thing that I know I have, which is, no, I'm good. I don't have that. I'm all right. I don't have that. <laughs> yes, like yes. I don't, I'm, I'm fine. I'm good. Um, and I'm, it's almost unbecoming to complain sometimes about an illness or focus on yourself in that way, yeah. especially about mental health. But as you know, Conan, I use that to my advantage. Well, you, uh, I think in a very calculating way, you've taken, <laughs> I mean, lucky you with the cancer. <laughs> oh my God. Oh my God. The second, uh, you were, the second you were diagnosed, you were like, yes, that's <laughs> finally, that's finally an angle. That's an angle I can use. Doc, doc, help me out. Can you find anything else? Uh, and it's really, it's, it's fascinating to me because you had these things happen to you which are quite unusual. The rest of us are like, 
I think exaggerating what we are. I'm a big exaggerator, as you can probably imagine. And I've had some real kooky things happen to me, but I've exaggerated uh, also. And I was stunned that like you were, so many things have happened to you where exaggeration was not even necessary. <laughs> yes. You know? No, no. That's, uh, Ira Glass has always said that about me with, because he's worked on two movies with me and a bunch of stories for This American Life. And he's like, he's like, you can't follow your own sleepwalking story for the rest of your life. You jump through a second story window in your sleep. Like there, there's no, there's nothing you can do that's sort of a better story. Can I ask us, was some one thing that confused me is I always thought, even if you're sleepwalking, there'd be some part of your brain that wouldn't let you do something that would imperil you. Do you know what I mean? That yeah, that's, be, what, that they, Conan, that's what your, that's what your dad told you. Yes. <laughs> you mean my doctor. Uh, <laughs> no, but I'm serious. I, 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 do you think, was your brain thinking it was doing something else when you jumped out the window? Yeah. So my brain thought the dream was that there was a guided missile headed towards my motel That's room. That's right. That's right. At La Quinta Inn in Walla Walla, Washington. Yeah. <laughs> and I jump out of bed and go, what's the plan? They said there's the missile coordinates are set on you specifically. So in my dream, and then it turns out because I have REM behavior disorder, it was in my life, I jumped through the window so as to detonate outside the window when the guided missile hits me for the sake of the platoon. And so then I jumped through the window, through the glass, like the Hulk, and I land on the front lawn and I'm and I get up and I'm running and I'm running, slowly realizing I'm in the front lawn. And <clears throat> this is actually to this day my favorite part of the story. As I'm people always go like, when did you wake up? And I say, as I'm running, I'm realizing I'm on the front lawn of La Quinta Inn. Mm -hmm. And I was, for an instant, relieved that I hadn't been hit by the missile. I was, I was thinking yeah. that would have been a disaster. Yeah. At least I'm, I'm still in the game. But I'm bleeding, you know, and I've, I've glass in my legs and all this stuff. I have to walk to the front desk and be like, I just had an incident. I'm staying at the hotel. I just had an incident. I jumped to the window. And so I went to the emergency room. They took glass out of my legs. But that, yeah, I mean, it's horrible. But I've even had it. I had sleepwalking the other night. I mean, I... You're still doing it. I, I, I do it every particularly, and, and maybe I'll end up getting some emails from doctors and folks, because I, whenever I talk about it, people always chime in and they go, the answer is, mm -hmm. you know, and it's always like some kind of herb or some kind of, you know, it's always like no more carbs. And I'm like, I don't know if it's no more <laughs> carbs, but uh, maybe, you know, and it always seems to happen in December, January. If I look at my, I put it, I all, whenever sleepwalking happens, I put it in my calendar and it's been happening and it's happening in a little bit of February. It's been happening a lot lately. And I think it's the anxiety of the election and the inauguration and everything. I mean, it's just like, it's just been uh, stressing me out. And I, it's nothing like jumping through a window, but it's like waking up like in, in my bedroom hallway kind of thing. But you know, all of these things can be a, a gift. And one of the things that's, I think, and I remember thinking this when you, when I saw Sleepwalk with me, that when you described this, what I remembered thinking is in your subconscious, you were in a dangerous situation and you behaved valiantly. You did a brave thing <laughs> yes, to try yes. and save others. And yes. what occurred to me is all of us are always wondering how would we measure up in a situation like that? And part of me is suspicious that if I was sleepwalking and thought and, and was in a similar situation, I would try to sacrifice someone else around me. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so what we know through this terrible event that you went through is, yeah, you got some glass in your leg and it was very traumatic, but we know that you're a brave, selfless person. 
because of that. Like you, you, you would have knocked on Matt's door and said, "I'm going to throw you through a window." I would have said, <laughs> "Yes." I would have, yes. in, if I, I would have been sleepwalking. I would have said, "Sona." Come to the second floor of the La Quinta Inn. Uh, uh, bring Matt Gorley with you. And st- a missile's headed this way, but it's filled with candy. And embrace it when it hits you. Uh, I will be uh, I will be in my car several miles away, but it's filled. Trust me, it's just a pinata. You'll be fine. So I hope you, uh, Conan. I hope you don't find this offensive. I find that to be calculating. Damn it. So you're saying that uh, maybe 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 you and I have more in common than I've I ever imagined. You know, I saw I saw your last uh, uh, live show. Live yeah, show. I remember, you, you you came. I came, and I was so thrilled. And I saw you in the audience because you're a big man. You know, it's so funny because I I didn't think I never think people can see me in the audience, <laughs> and I forget that basically I I'm. I look like Jane Lynch, you know. I, I mean, she's much more attractive than me, but I'm I'm, I'm a very tall, attractive uh, woman, and uh, um, what? <laughs> uh, and so people can. I have a big balloon head, and so people see me. But uh, I saw I saw your uh, your one man show, and I I saw it in downtown Los Angeles, and I yep. absolutely. Loved it. And I had this weird feeling of, because I had, I knew that, you know, we've talked about it before, but I knew that you had interned with me. And I had this sort of feeling of pride, like, oh, my, my old friend is doing well. Like if someone, (laughs) if someone, if someone who had any, uh, and then I realized I did nothing to help you in any way. (laughs) So, you know, who am I? I mean, literally it's like, I rode a bus with you and I was sitting up towards the front and you were in the back. And then later on you went on to big things and I'm like, I'm proud of him. You know, you're, you're a role model and you, you've always been so nice to me. You've had me on the show for years. And then I know that we never had our meeting, but I will say that that summer changed the course of my life because your writers, Brian Stack, Brian McCann, uh, Kylie, like a handful of writers, I would ask them, I would go like, I want to be a writer. I want to be like a writer for this show. Like, what should I do? And some of them said, do stand up. Some of them said, I did stand up. Some of them said, I did improv. I went back to college. I learned how to do stand up. I learned how to do improv. Like, I just went all in on essentially everything your writers said. And I will say, like, it's from the top down. That was like one of the nicest group of writers you could ever imagine, in addition to being so funny. You know, it's nice is we've always been blessed with really good people. I mean, here we are, what, 27, 28 years later, which is unbelievable, but to even contemplate. But, uh, to a person, the writers I work with now are really, I mean, you'll back me up on this, Sona, because you know them as well as I, they're just really moral good people and I should pay them, but. (laughs) (laughs) Conor Brian Needs a Friend is sponsored by ADT, introducing ADT Self Setup, featuring everything from motion sensors to Google Nest Cam and the Nest doorbell with a battery or wired option. Your choice. Easily install the ADT self-setup security system at your convenience. You don't need heavy-duty tools. And if you do need help, ADT can provide virtual assistance along the way. Self-setup from ADT grows, moves, and adapts as your needs change. You can add more products at any time, and your system easily moves wherever life takes you. It also features Nest Cams. They can tell the difference between a person, an animal, a vehicle, or with the Nest doorbell, even a package. 
These things are getting so smart. Plus, on every second counts, you can trust ADT's 24-7 professional monitoring. You can view video of an alarm event and verify or cancel an alarm with just one quick tap. Now everyone can get trusted security from ADT installed your way with no long-term contracts. When the most trusted name in home security adds the intelligence of Google, well, (laughs) you've got a home with no worries. Go to ADT.com today or call 1-800-ADT-ASAP. Google, Nest Cam, Nest Doorbell, and Nest Aware are all trademarks of Google LLC. Valvoline Instant Oil Change is the quick, easy, trusted place for your next oil change. Valvoline's convenient, no appointment needed. You can even stay in your car while they do the work. You don't have to sit in some waiting room, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their friendly certified technicians have over 270 hours of training and they get you in and out fast while performing a thorough free 18-point maintenance check with your oil change. We got someone here who just experienced this, our own Aaron Blair. Blair, well, how was it? It was awesome. I took my Jeep uh, jock jams in and got a sweet oil change and uh, and I actually brought a book because I thought it would take a while. And uh, they had me in and out in like 15 minutes. It was awesome. Well, also, you should point out, you can't read. I can't. So, But I wanted people to <laughs> you, think I could. Yeah, but I mean, uh, come on. Yeah, maybe somebody maybe hot is there. And they're like, literate. oh, what are you reading? I'm like, oh, and then, then you know, now I've, I'm, I got a date. Yeah, yeah I don't but, think that's, uh, that's not how people meet each other. Didn't, didn't have time for that. Yeah, so if you see Blay driving around in his beautifully oiled jock jams, <laughs> give him the old thumbs up. <laughs> or throw a tangerine at him. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Valvoline, they're doing it right. Visit valvoline.com slash Conan for an exclusive offer towards your next oil change. On the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less Filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality. Great taste. Only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. We have some similarities, you and I, but then we there are some differences. When you were growing up, you considered becoming a priest. And I have to tell you, yes. not for a second did wow. I ever think priesthood. And I grew up in a very Catholic family. What was that all about, do you think? What was the uh, Well, Lord? I was, yeah, I similarly, I mean, I was going to say you're in Somerville, but you weren't in Somerville. I was in Brookline, Mass. You grew up in Brookline and I grew up in Shrewsbury. Oh, Shrewsbury. Which is outside of Worcester. Yeah. 
And um, and Worcester is I, where all my people are from. We're all from Worcester. Oh, really? Yeah. No my, my parents just, I think they were chased out of uh, Worcester and had to flee to Brookline. But <laughs> literally my entire extended family, like on both sides, uh, they're either in Worcester or Millbury or, you know, within, and, every, and every single person went to Holy Cross College. First of all, my dad went to Holy Cross College and that's how we ended up there. Second of all, I think the only way to leave Worcester is to be chased out. <laughs> <laughs> it's the chase. It's chased out 95. <laughs> I mean, I got the crap beat out of me by kids in Worcester when I was like, I like I remember ninth grade. I went to St. John's in Shrewsbury, which had a ton of kids from Worcester. I mean, they just saw me as a mark. They were like this guy. <laughs> <laughs> they're like we're gonna we're gonna practice punching on this kid. I love how there's no end to the pettiness of turf wars. Meaning, <laughs> meaning, you know, it, you can contemplate like, oh, uh, a West, an LA gang might have a problem with a with a New York gang, but when people from Worcester are saying, "Look at him, Shrewsbury." Let's get him. <laughs> what are you talking about? Find Shrewsbury just, on a map. What are you so mad about? So you grew up on the same ad campaigns, Jordan's Furniture. Jordan's Furniture, Waltham, yes, yes. And it, Waltham, Nashua, Avon, and Reading. I used to listen to all the ads insisted on mentioning every single town. <laughs> In Massachusetts. And so my childhood was constantly hearing, eh, Danbury, Needham, yeah. Newton, yeah. you know, Brockton, Braintree, Burlington. And you're just like, <laughs> you don't have to name them all. We got it. We know we'll find it. We'll find your store. <laughs> just don't name so get, every single place. So to get, oh, to get back to the precincts, I went to St. Mary's school for six years. And and the joke I always make is I was an altar boy as a kid, and the answer is no, I wasn't. And I think it's because they knew I was a talker. <laughs> I have that look about me. But I, I, but I was, I really was lucky. Like I mean, it happened a lot, and I was lucky. But I always remember being on the altar and watching the priest and going like, I want to be up there. And I and I feel like you'll relate to this part because I thought he's killing. Yes, yes. <laughs> I mean, they kill these priests. They kill with nothing, no material. Our priest uh, at at St. Lawrence, he used to prowl the stage like a stand-up comic, and this yeah. is in the 1970s. And he'd prowl the stage, and he'd be making jokes and killing with the crowd. The crowd, yeah. the parishioners, the crowd, <laughs> the crowd. They'd be killing at the club. I mean. Uh, Christ's home. And, uh, <laughs> but then he would, when he would do this thing where he, he had this kind of Jimmy Cagney wise guy attitude and he'd keep his hands in his pockets and he'd be jingling the change in his pockets and going, yeah, I tell you, I tell you. And, 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 and you know, talking about whatever, lepers and Jesus, Jesus and, yeah, sure. and, and water yeah. into wine and stuff like that. But then he would end the way a Catholic priest is supposed to end the whole, when the, when the service is over, he says, go in peace to love and serve the Lord. You know, and this guy would go, love and peace to love and serve the Lord. And then he got, he'd go like this, he'd go, love and peace to love and serve the Lord. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. See you around. Oh my God. I'm like, God. what? He'd be like, you know, like he was ending his variety show. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. See you around. And you're like, and I used to think, so my yeah, go ahead. My brother Joe was always more the class clown growing up. And so 
we would sing that song, which was, Christ has died, Christ was risen, Christ will come again. Mm -hmm. And we'd be, I'd be sitting with Joe at like Christmas mass and he would do like spoof versions. Uh Uh He would go, Christ has lied, Christ was in prison, Christ will come at 10. And I always thought that that's pretty witty. Christ will come at 10 is a solid joke, even as a grown up. I th- I, that's pretty good. I, uh, you know, yeah, I, he was like the weird owl of church. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have this theory. I don't know about you, but you, you were not a class clown, right? No, no. My whole thing is like, I, I was the kid growing up where I would look at the class clown and I would be so confused by why people were laughing yes. because he, he'd walk in and be like, you're fat, you're gay. I'm out of here. You know? And I was always a little fat and a little gay. Like I never got along with that guy. And man, and, I, that was bad. I don't know what your problem is. I love that guy. I wish <laughs> I'd kill for material but, like that. Um, I remember the class clown literally in like in gym class, like to be, I'm being crude, but it was real. He'd pull his dick out and, and he would whack people with it like it was a wet towel. And people would be like, Kenny's hilarious. Yes. I'd be like, he's not hilarious. No. That's not funny. No, this is my point. You're making my point for me and beautifully, which is I was not the class clown. I was always horrified by the class clown. You know, the class clown was the guy who would get up when the teacher was out and move the clock around ahead 15 (laughs) minutes so that, you know, class would end earlier and the class clown would be doing all this outrageous stuff. And I would think, you can't do that. That's stop that. Leave that. That's a timepiece. You can't alter a (laughs) timepiece. That's a timepiece. You know, that whatever. I I've said this before, but class clowns. Uh, always die in a motel shootout when they're like 28. Oh my gosh. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, <laughs> like, that's dark. But, that, but it's true. They're like, you know, <laughs> it, they, it, they start out being the class. A motel shootout? Yeah, they end up. And I love that you double down on that detail. You go, no, no, Mike, it's true. It's true. Look it up. Anyone who's ever been a class clown, <laughs> if, you're, if you're beating people with your penis in gym class, <laughs> It's only four more steps to, I've got a sawed off shotgun. I'm crouching behind the ice machine and I'm shooting it out with the Braintree police. Like that's just, oh it's God. just a number of steps and it's oh not God. that many steps. I feel like you and I have a thing in common, which is like when I relate to you most, when I see like your movie, Conan O'Brien mm-hmm. can't stop. What makes you, what you, what do you relate to in that part? I have a chapter in Sleepwalk With Me, the book, mm-hmm. which is called literally, I can't stop. Mm-hmm. And it's all about, it's that same thing. It's like, it's when I see you touring, you just have this thing of like, it's right after your show and off the air that you went on tour, yep, right? Yep. And it's like, no, no, I gotta, I gotta keep entertaining people. That That's what I do. I, that, that's my whole thing, you know? And, and I have the same exact instinct, which is like, I've been doing virtual shows in the pandemic. A lot of comics don't do it. And I'm like, well, of course we do. That's what we do. That's what we do. We entertain however we do it. It, it, uh, it's kind of an old school. First of all, it's not a choice. It's just your, it's, I think, uh, who we are. And my wife all through pandemic, my wife Liza has been saying, "We've got to get you an audience." This is that's so and, insane. And, and, and literally, I should put my wife on this right now to talk because your wife and my wife should have a, a conversation sidebar right. about us that I think would be healing. Yes, for them. Yes, and it would probably help our marriage. Well, also, my wife's tired of my material. Your wife's tired of your material. And so what I'm talking about is like a couple swap that's not sex at all. 
What I'm talking about is a couple, sw- a couple swap where I. Okay, I'm listening. I, I'm listening. No, no, there's no sex. There's no sex. Trust me. No, I'm listening. Keep going. Keep going. <laughs> Tell me more about this. We're swingers, but what it, how it works is I, uh, your wife has to listen to my material, and my wife listens to your material. <laughs> That's how it works. And so, which which is which pivots me to my one of my main questions for this podcast for you, even though I'm not supposed to have questions. Which is, if we're friends, like the podcast says, yeah. then you need to you need to give me your email address. Oh yeah, you can have my email address. <laughs> okay, great. I'll give it to you right now, and they'll edit it out. I'm gonna write it down. <laughs> I'm not kidding. This is real. I'm gonna email you. I think we'll set we'll set it up. We'll set up the Zoom. No, but you know. Uh, Okay, this is a true story. We have two dogs and one of them is quite old and he's got uh, this arthritis. And so there's uh, a woman who's a terrific vet who comes by once in a while and just checks on his hip and uh, works on his hip a little bit and does a little ultrasound. And then he's much better for like two weeks. And she comes by every now and then. And I'll just, I'll throw a name out there. Her name's Dr. Heather. And uh, we just call her Dr. Heather. Her name's Heather. And she's terrific. And she comes by and all through pandemic, occasionally once a month or so, I'll see her out in the yard working on our dog, Bosco. And I happen to know that she's she's really funny and she's got a great sense of humor and she's a really good laugher. So whenever I see her yeah. out there, I practically run out into the yard with my mask on. Oh my God. And she's got a mask on. Oh my God. And I'm like, hi, Dr. Heather. And she's like, oh, hi, Conan. Good to see you. And I'm like, oh yeah, good God. to see me. Good to see anyone. <laughs> and she'll start. Oh, my God. Like, oh, uh, trust me, substitute like some actual funny You're- stuff in there. And I will be, I will do 40 minutes and people have to come and take me away. And so, yeah. uh, <laughs> and so well, that was the, that was the, that was the thing that actually affected me too. When I was, I was a control room intern at late night in the nineties mm-hmm. for that summer. And so I would see you warm up the crowd mm-hmm. and your warm up. And I don't think anyone knows this because they never see the warm up unless they come to the live show rock center. You are like, um, you're like a vaudeville entertainer. I know. You're doing songs, you're doing jokes, you're, you're, do, you're playing guitar, like you're doing everything. Yeah, it was crazy because I had to tone it down in the early days of late night, 93, 94, 95. I was, I don't know if it's insecurity or just not knowing what the fuck I was doing. I would go out and I would do a full show before the show. And the crowd loved the show before the show, I think, (laughs) because it was all about them. And I would give 110%. And often when I look at, if I happen to look at a show from 93 or 94, I can tell in the monologue I'm out of breath from the the unaired warm-up. Where I was singing and juggling and doing all this stuff. And then uh, I learned later on, (laughs) it's not good for the show if you give them the best 10 minutes up front. And then- uh, It's the same thing, by the way, if your audience is Dr. Heather. Exactly. I'm just throwing it out. If you there. blow, if you yeah, if you blow the the strongest ten minutes yeah. up front with Doctor Heather, you got nothing to close. <laughs> Doctor Heather has a restraining order against me. <laughs> she's like, I oh him again, and I'm like, and it's just because she's such a good audience, and I'm that's I think that's my favorite. That's my favorite kind of laugh in the world. I my daughter's five now, and that's like such a good age for 
the hardest laughs at the dumbest jokes. Right. You have one child, is that right? Yeah, yeah, Una. She's she's five and she's actually almost six. She's five and three quarters, if you want to get specific. <laughs> it's amazing. And like one of the things that I discovered recently is that knock-knock jokes are endlessly hilarious to five-year-olds. <laughs> so it's like, like, so I, so if I, if I just made one up, I go like, knock, knock. Who's there? Conan. Conan who? Can it, can anyone open the door? I'm freezing out here. You know? And it's like, <clears throat> and she's, I'm telling you, my daughter loses her mind. It's great. And also you're, uh, she's, you're, decon- you're doing deconstruction comedy yes. and a five-year-old loves it. I also love when they tell jokes, uh, and I remember, uh, I think it was my son when he was like th- four or five got into, I can make up jokes and they don't, kids jokes make no sense. No, no, they're alive. But they would kind of get the rhythm of it and it'd be like, yeah. what did the guitar say to the antelope? And you go like, I don't know, Beckett, what did the guitar say to the antelope? <laughs> You've got some nerve. That's not your soup. And you'd be like, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But there's part of me that also loved, hey, they kind of have the rhythm. And who's to say that's yeah, not yeah. a great joke? She's, uh, yeah. It's so funny because whenever I... Whenever I talk about my daughter, everyone always thinks that she's still one year old Mm -hmm. because in the show and in the book, she's one year old. And so I have to constantly be like, no, no, she's like, things are great. And she's five. And because she's she's at that age right now where everything she says is adorable, like. The other night I said, mom's going to put you to bed tonight. And she said, she's not your mom. She's my mom. And I said, that's what my therapist keeps telling me. <laughs> because if you think about it, all, all toddlers have a Boston accent. They're like, I'm tired. And Boston Boston toddlers are like, I'm wicked tired. (laughs) That's true. The Boston accent, right? The Boston accent is just a child's accent that never matured. That's what it is, right? Yes. That's fantastic. Um, So are you doing, I I know you're doing stuff obviously on Zoom and you're doing, uh, I mean, you're doing. I'm doing, literally I'm doing five shows Valentine's weekend that are all different, all new, like all new material. Right. And it's like the the live version of my podcast. My show is called, my podcast is called Working It Out. right. Where I work out material with other comedians, and I hope to see you on it very soon. I will. I would. Lo- I, I, I would have your email address. I would love to do that. Seriously, I would be honored to. Okay, do it. awesome. Yeah. So, um, but I work out new material, and then I do it in these live shows. So I'm doing it Valentine's weekend, five shows, and then the final show, a hundred percent of the proceeds go to regional food banks because food banks are just doing the Lord's work yes, right yes. now. Unbelievable. Uh, I worked with a, uh, and, and work with a food bank that's run by no relation, but a, a, a really close friend of mine, Father Paul O'Brien, which is in Lawrence, Massachusetts, and which is like per capita, the poorest, one of the poorest uh, urban areas in the United States. And wow. he told me once years ago, if you're trying to get a, a kid, a young person to not do drugs or you know, not uh, commit a crime. If you're trying to get them on the on the right path, you can't make any headway if they're hungry. The yeah, first thing you so, have so, to do yeah. is feed them. So he uh, mobilized a bunch of people and put together uh, this amazing food bank in Lawrence Mass called Core Unum. And it's fantastic because people are served. They don't serve themselves. They're served with a lot of dignity. And 
it gave me a real respect for like, that's the first thing you have to do is feed people. Yeah. Like you can't get, you take care of that and the hierarchy of needs, that's number one. I'm going to write that down. Core unum. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have that be one of the food banks that we give to with the, with the Valentine's Day. Oh, event. seriously? That'd be really great. Yo, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What if you found out then that you looked into it and then I'd made it up to make myself sound like a good guy? <laughs> like you looked into it and they're like, there's no core unum. And Lawrence. That is and, so. And Lawrence. And it's like, and then they went, were you talking to Conan? And you're like, yeah. Oh, no, no. He just says that. Conan does that's that. New, that's new Hollywood. <laughs> hey, man. New York, New York Conan used to give to food banks. Hollywood Conan? He just has made up stories about food banks. <laughs> about food banks that don't exist. <laughs> and he's always saying he cured a disease that we looked into it and that disease never existed either. <laughs> oh, God. Um, I know you're doing a lot of work also for uh, comedy clubs and you're doing this thing that I just wanted to give a shout out for because I think you do this oh, yeah. with Roy Wood Jr., which is you launch this thing, tipyourweightstaff.com. Which is a yeah, way so we, to help people. And, and I know that Gary Goldman's been, Nikki Glaser, John Mulaney have been helping out with this. It, that's a great yeah. way to help keep these places going at a time when they've all been shut down. Yeah, we started that uh, in March because I was I was driving to the Buffalo Helium Comedy Club and I was listening to the radio and the scientists and I was going, oh, I think I should be heading home now. Right, right. <laughs> and, then, and then I drove home and- uh, and I've been in ever since. But then the first thing I, I was talking to Roy Wood Jr. And we were like, well, what what, what are the comedy club staffs going to do? Because I mean, co- comedians could make it for a few weeks, a few months. But a lot of the, 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 the wait staff is week to week. And so we did this thing called Tip Your Wait Staff. And we raised, you know, probably three quarters of a million dollars. different go. It was a GoFundMe right. that all are housed on tipyourweightstaff.com. And and are still there. So if you you can go and you can put in your zip code and find your local comedy. That's a club great idea. Support, That's a terrific support idea. Your wait staff there. What I'm going to do is launch something that sounds like that, <laughs> but the funds go to me. Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Oh, God. <laughs> I love thinking. Oh, God. Do you do this? I, I do this all the time. I think of what's the worst thing I could be caught doing. And then I, I uh, like, what's the worst behavior, you know, that I could exhibit? Yes. yes. And uh, me, me. So that's the kind of thing. Sona, you're familiar with this. I will go on at length oh, yeah. at work about, I could start a charity and then they could find out that <laughs> the money goes to, oh my God. Goes to me so, so, I, so I can buy Arabian ponies. And, uh, oh and then the pictures of me in the press being like completely unrepentant, like, screw you. <laughs> You know, no, you said you were helping uh, lepers. Ah, I'm entitled to an Arabian pony. <laughs> I don't know why. It's a sick thing, but you are legitimately doing uh, wonderful work. And I'm I'm just, you know, usually uh, these tend to go very quickly or they feel like they go very quickly. And you've been, you and I have been talking for quite a while and it's just flown because you're such an easy person to talk to and and in many ways such a i feel like such a kindred spirit i think our minds work in similar ways um and so why don't you do one of your stupid commercials and then wrap it up <laughs> dick why don't you do one of your dumb fucking commercials and get out of my room this is my private office i see what you're doing you're making me hate you so i can you're i see what you're doing you're negging me so i break up with you that's your classic 
Classic <laughs> Irish Catholic move. All right. No, no I got I to gotta bring it back. I got to no, bring no, it back. No, no, I'm sick of you. No, no, no. No, I got to bring it back. I hate you. No, no, uh, I hate you, Mike no, no. Birbiglia. And I don't support I do you or any of your wonderful endeavors to help <laughs> the needy. Oh, God. Uh, um, no, I, I so appreciate it. And uh, I've, I mean, I, again, I have a boss. You're, you're my boss for the rest of time. So even if you were like, Mike, if, you, if I came on the podcast today and you were like, Mike, a position just opened up to be an intern on my podcast. An unpaid. I would be like, unpaid, unpaid intern <laughs> on my podcast. I would be like, I'll be on the next plane to Los Angeles. <laughs> wow. What terrible, terrible business instincts. <laughs> what are no- but I'm going to email you, and the email is going to be striking up a friendship that will be long-lasting, and I will glean all of your wisdom, and I will use it against you until you die, Conan O'Brien! <laughs> Which I will eventually, in 110 years, as the devil assured me when I <laughs> got the late-night show. Um, hey, listen, uh, Mike, this was an absolute joy, and thank Thank you so much for uh, taking the time to do this. And I look forward to doing uh, your podcast and being kind of a prick on it. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to be, <laughs> Thanks, I'm going to be, Thanks, I'm going gonna, gonna to sort of be sort of monosyllabic on your podcast and not, and not, <laughs> and not helpful. That's my plan. Jesus. Yep. Well, I want to thank Matt and Sona because Ugh. you're you're doing you're doing God's work listening oh. to this gas bag go <laughs> on and Thanks. on and on. It's when nice. does he stop? I mean, he made oh. a documentary about oh, how he can't yeah. stop. I feel heard instead of having to hear. All the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, oh. and the rest of you on this Zoom, we're not even going to say your names. <laughs> They're just all sitting there figuring out a way to monetize it. That's what they're doing. I'm talking to you, Adam, and you, Aaron, and Joanna, and Jen. We're all judging you in real time. This will not be edited. Hey, is that a sheet hanging up behind you? Yeah, oh yeah, my it's a God. sheet. I mean, it's all like, this is all like, I mean, I have sound. I mean, I've, I'm surrounded by like. By like pillows, you know, in uh, like, in in the sixth sense that you know, that stuff, in the sixth yeah. sense that little fort that the kid makes to hide from the scary monsters. That it looks like that's where you are right now. Well, that's what I. Uh, that's so funny because my my daughter made it with me, and we call it for the for the podcast. We call it the pillow. Fort. Oh, there you go. And Ira Glass made this point, which is. The only practical skill from growing up in childhood that applies to radio is building forts. Yes. <laughs> and that's why that's why my voice sounds like silk. <laughs> <laughs> that's why this is a perfect voiceover for security blankets <laughs> thing that you're selling. Was it the weighted? I don't know. I don't even know what we're selling. <laughs> I add it later on. Your, ad, your ads, I'm like, I was listening to your ads your episode the other day. I was like, I was like, he's giving them way more for their money than they're paying. Yes, I do that. I tend to like, do that. Like, uh, that's a two-minute ad of Conan O'Brien doing a sketch for them. Yes. 
Yep. For Halliburton. <laughs> you know, it's, a, <laughs> it's, always, it's always me. I always forget like what the product is. And then later on, I'm like, oh, right. Yes, they make. They make machine guns. <laughs> I, I, did find, I, I did find it unfortunate when you did that, that ad for Enron. I think they got a raw deal. And you know what? No. If their check's clear, I'll read the copy. Um, Enron, um, it's time yeah. for a second look. <laughs> That's what I say. Hey, Mike Berbiglia, you are a, a scholar and a gentleman, and I admire you, and I'm glad to know you, and I can't wait to know you better. You too. Thanks, Conan. Thanks for being my new friend. Better work presentations are possible. They're called Canva presentations. You can supercharge your work decks with Canva presentations. Sounds like I know what I'm talking about. Just start with a prompt and Canva presentations will generate captivating slides in seconds or with a stunning template and add images, graphics, charts, and data visualizations from their massive media library. You save time and you wow your audience. Mm -hmm. I have never made one of these presentations and I never will, but there's a reason why Canva (laughs) is used by 90% of the Fortune 500 companies. 90%. That's a lot of percent. Yeah, let's get it to 100%, guys. Come on. Nail your next work presentation with Canva presentations by heading to canva.com. Designed for work. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time. Don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors. We carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I? it's not a good match? I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. Last week, we did a segment on the show called Big Dick History. Oh, for God's sake. <laughs> and even though we're recording this before that comes out, the reviews have been raves. People are clamoring for more Big Dick History. Really? Okay. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, what happened, and, and I'm reticent. Uh, you know me, I only like to operate on the highest levels, never get in the gutter. Uh-huh. Uh, but I'm always dragged down by my compatriots. We were chatting about history podcasts I love a history podcast. I cited some of the ones I listened to, Revolutions. I listened to Dan Carwin's Hardcore History. I always like to try and learn something uh, by finding out more about history. I th- I know, Matt, that you enjoy a history podcast from time to time. And we were talking about that. And then I, was it Sona who who introduced the concept? Is that, was that well, you, Sona? Well, in my defense, you brought up Rasputin. I just so. said, I brought up, I was talking about uh, Russian history 
of the early 20th century. I started talking about the revolution, Tsar Nicholas. I brought up Rasputin. And the minute I said Rasputin, someone was like, he had a big dick. <laughs> I said what everybody was thinking. And I mean, and I mean, Sona was in like, you weren't even listening. You had gone into, because we're doing this over Zoom. I could yeah. see that your eyes, your eyes were like almost fully closed. You were almost completely checked out because Matt and I were chattering on about World War I, uh, the increasingly dire position of Tsar Nicholas. Tsar uh, Nicholas, Sona was out like a light. And then I just said, of course, and then there's Rasputin. And you went, he had a big one. <laughs> And suddenly, you weren't just awake, but you had superpowers. You could have lifted a Volkswagen over your head in that moment. Yeah. And then you yeah. started firing off names of other historic figures that you believe probably had were well endowed in the penile department. And uh, that started one of you miscreants, foul-mouthed wretches, uh, saying, "Hey, we could have a we could have a show called Big Dick History." <laughs> Yeah. And then I changed my tune <laughs> because then I realized, wait a minute, these history podcasts are kind of a big deal. Yeah. And then sex podcasts are a big deal. There are these, uh, aren't these two women that uh, discuss sex on a podcast? Huge, you know? Uh -huh. And there are various sexual podcasts. And that got me thinking, I, I felt like Edison in that moment. Thinking oh. of the, discovering the light bulb. Huh. Uh, or Tesla uh, inventing the electric car, the Tesla. Oh, Tesla, huge dick. Huge dick. <laughs> <laughs> and alternating current, too. I love that people don't who think Tesla just invented the Tesla uh, <laughs> and not alternating current. But anyway, my point is, I thought, wait a minute, this could be, and no, there's no pun here, no crass pun, this could be huge. This could be massive. Yeah. Uh, this yeah. could be engorged. This could be. Okay. Uh, this could be a giant podcast because you'd get history fans. Yeah, giant get, thick podcast. This is a backdoor pilot for the pilot that will spin off of this and eclipse the other a podcast. Big girthy pilot for yeah, throbbing. Good. It'll be a throbbing podcast. Yeah. Yeah, turgid podcast. I mean, this thing is just saluting full tilt. It's just a veiny podcast. With a flag just flying on it. I uh, hate both of you. I think you're awful people. If you guys take it too far in that direction, it invalidates it. I see. Okay. The way it has to be is I I have to keep this on the straight and narrow, so to speak. Okay. Uh, I have okay. to, so what I have to do is keep it somewhat rooted in history. Sona, you just love... Your filthy talk. Yeah. Uh, but I think that if we really did talk about, hey, you know, who historically was known to have maybe a large member, and and then maybe we talked a little bit about uh, their careers and maybe how their penis influenced their success or their failures, huh. that, that could be a real podcast that satisfies both constituencies. Right. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I, Don't I you think? That. I see where that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. You act like you're above it, but when I brought up Rasputin, you're like, yeah, Rasputin, the monk, blah, 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 blah. And he's like, and he had a big cockaroo is what I think you said at the end I don't of that. talk that way. And, and, and That and, is exactly what you said. Matt, I'm sure I didn't say that. And uh, you'll now play a tape to disprove that that was said. I'm sure it's going to be you in the Mugoosh voice going, cockaroo. I said a cockaroo. 
I love how I can, that's how easily I can be lured. I I, I'm trying to be above it all and, and, a, and a scholar. And then you guys, if you, all you have to do is, is tempt me a little bit and I go, that guy had a real kakaroo. <laughs> Oh my God. Uh, I honestly don't know uh, who. I mean, Sona, you brought up, oh, John Dillinger. I know he had a giant penis. And I actually know the story behind that, which is in after he was shot and killed, they let the press like into the morgue. And it looks like he has a giant penis underneath uh, the sheet. But it, and from the other angle, you can tell that it's his hand. And uh, th- which is in the, you know, th- so it was his hand pushing up on the sheet. But huh. the problem is whenever I, tr- whenever I try to say to Sona, no, that guy I don't think really had a big penis. Here's how that legend got started. She accuses me of trying to, of having penis envy. Yeah. About. Uh, <laughs> you immediately had that explanation. Like, you know a lot about Do- John Dillinger, but you also know that his penis was not as big as people said it was. I actually have read someone dispute that, and huh. so I, you know, just an uh, interesting thing to read about him. What about Milton Berle? Milton Berle, uh, everyone knows he had uh, a, a massive, massive penis. Um, he and also Forrest Tucker. Uh, is also famous for having a, a large member. Forrest Tucker um, was uh, on F Troop, on the TV show F Troop. There's that famous show business story where, I mean, it's a famous story where Milton Burrow and Forrest Tucker are at some event together. Sword fights. And everyone knows they both have massive penises and they someone is trying to egg them on into comparing their penises to see who has the bigger one and they're about to do it and famously I don't know if this is an apocryphal tale or not but famously a friend of Milton Berle said hey Milty just take out enough to win <laughs> meaning <laughs> his was so big that all he had to do was take out like a third of it and he would win oh, well uh, there we go we've done it that's big dick history I really hope that would have like gone into a sword fight like a dick sword fight. No, all right. Like a dick okay. fight. Okay. I'm sorry. Always, I want this to be a better podcast than Come on. where it is right now. Kakaroo. Now look. <laughs> ah, kakaroo. Um, <laughs> you realize if we ever had any chance to win like a prestigious award for this podcast, like something really prestigious, uh, because I do think we have a really good podcast and people really do seem to enjoy it, it would. it's all going to go to shit. <laughs> Once big dick history hits the airwaves, and I'm go- and and I'm the I'm the logo. The logo is me winking and going akakaroo. I'm never gonna get uh, you know a Peabody. the Mark the Mark Twain or the Peabody or all those things are out the window. Oh, come on, Peabody is the perfect organization to give this podcast an award. The part of the body that pees, Peabody. <laughs> We should get a dick award. That's you know. so lame, Matt. That's no, come so on. lame. No. No, because that was just childish and silly and wordplay and beneath you. Well, I can have my cock and eat it too. Oh, come on. <laughs> I hate this. This is these this is- these prestigious awards are now lost to us. <laughs> Because you guys have me on tape several times as saying cockaroo. Someone is behind you taking your Emmys away. Every award I've ever won is going to be stripped from me. I'm going to be like someone who was found to be doping. Except I wasn't doping. I think I tried to conduct myself well in my career, and I did win some nice awards. And now all stripped because the committee discovered 
that I have a podcast that I produce called Big Dick History. <laughs> and at the opening of the show is me saying, hey, guys and gals, strap yourselves in because you're going to see a real big uh, <laughs> Everything I've tried to do in my career is gone. <laughs> Oh my God! You leaned into it, though. Yeah, like, you're reinventing you really the medium. Leaned into it. You're yeah. bringing big dick energy to podcasting, and it. Mm. Can I tell you something? Which is can never. Can I tell been you done. something? Yeah, I do think this could be uh, a huge money maker. Mm-hmm. I think this could be, and I, Adam Sachs, yes. who's <laughs> the genius behind all things, get in here. Right. Don't you think you're very respected in the podcast community? Big dick history is that a. Is that a moneymaker? I think it could be really huge. Yeah, I think we can make a lot of money. I see major merch potential. Now, I see merch potential, but what about advertisers? Are there advertisers who are going to want to be on? I think we're going to be getting a call from Roman like tomorrow. Roman? Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and when we know that when we did this last week, Aaron already registered the domain Big Dick History, so we're good. Yeah. Aaron, is that true? Did you register the domain Big Dick History? We own BigDickHistory.com. Wow. I can't believe well. it was available. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out Sona tried to buy it five years ago, but uh, then she got high and forgot. Uh, she's the only. <laughs> the other the other trend in the podcast industry now is that there's a lot of derivative opportunities. People look at podcasts as pilots for potential derivatives. So I could see this being a you know a documentary series, maybe on HBO Max. You're not thinking the BBC for this. <laughs> Could be the BBC. BBC. Good evening and welcome. <laughs> I'm the ghost of Peter Ustinov. <laughs> Tonight, big dick history. You've all wondered, did Genghis Khan, what was he packing? Well, today we rip apart whatever lies between us and Genghis's throbbing member to find out the truth. But before we begin, of course, it's always customary for Conan O'Brien to come out and say his signature. Mr. O'Brien, could you come out here, please? Yes, uh, thank you, uh, Sir Ustinov. Famous ghost. Please, Mr. O'Brien, continue. Yes, uh, thank you. Here we go. <laughs> Did they fly you out to England just for that? He's a ghost. You don't have to fly me anywhere to meet it. You don't have to fly to meet a ghost. He'll just appear, appear anywhere. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I didn't know the ghost rules. No, okay. you're not wrong, though. You enough ghosts afraid to fly. <laughs> <laughs> He's on a no-fly list. Yeah, he takes trains. I love a ghost that's afraid to fly commercially. <laughs> I'd rather not. You're a ghost. You can just materialize in Conan's home in Los Angeles. No, seriously, I, I don't enjoy flying. It's very frightening. You're a ghost. You're, you died 25 years ago. Please, I'd rather not fly. I'll just stay here. Also, uh, why do you need to get paid? <laughs> You're a ghost. <laughs> oh, my God. Well, that concludes another distinguished episode of Big Dick History. Hey, I'm still here, guys. You've get got to sign of off. You've got to Come sign on. off. It's I know, rid- but this is fun. It's- it would be fun if we kept talking. It's <laughs> sad, and it's getting sadder by the second. And I'm saying this as your best friend. I was told this show was about friendship, and I'm here to live it out. <laughs> Signing off, assholes. <laughs> Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. 
The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. (laughs) 